Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Huddle Podcast on the Sideline Podcast Network. I am Matt Danieluk here with Chris Lavalley on this Tuesday night. Pretty excited to go game by game with you through the NFL's Week 2, and we're going to talk about some headlines and do some questions toward the end here. We are Sands Richard tonight, unfortunately, uh, but we're looking forward to him getting back on the podcast very soon. The Huddle starts right now. Guys, the huddle is back. Chris and I are here to talk week two NFL recap, headlines, questions. God, I wish we could have recorded the conversation we just had for the last 45 minutes because, whoo, <laughs> baby, one of these days we're going to do a non-sports podcast and it's going to be hilarious and we'll have no friends left when we're done. That's very true. Um, I'm going to want to start with Baltimore, Cincinnati. Oh, perfect. That's actually the first one that I had. Um, so... Since he wins 34-23, um, it didn't really honestly even look that close. I mean, Baltimore only scored nine points in the second half total. Um, it's just that Cincinnati also couldn't really score any points in the second half. They only scored six in the second. Um, but it does two things for me. One, it reaffirms my my belief that Andy Dalton is actually a decent NFL quarterback, and it confirms my pick uh, for the Bengals to win the North. Okay. Um, I oh, think... I'm sorry. There's a third thing. Can Go I... ahead. Really fast. Yeah. Uh, never, out. ever, 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 ever trust Joe Flacco. <laughs> okay. Well, flat. My first thing was that Joe Flacco is who we thought he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just reaffirmed that you can't change quarterback. Once you hit like year five, you are who you are. Yeah. As a quarterback, I don't really think there's any quarterback who's gone through that much of a metamorphosis. After year five. Maybe Alex Smith a little bit, but... Um, and even then, that was extenuating circumstances. We're talking about five different coordinators in five years. Right. The other one were that I think you need to just slow your roll a little bit on the Bengals. They played the Colts and the Ravens in the first two weeks. Yeah, but that Ravens defense is actually a decent unit. I think that they, I think that they underperformed a little bit against Cincinnati. Um, but I, I do think the Ravens will probably finish like top 15, top 16 in defensive DVOA this year. Um, With that being said, though, I do think the Bengals are going to win by default in that division because that division well, yeah. is pretty awful. Yeah, this is definitely this is definitely coming back later in the podcast, like this conversation about the rest of the division for sure. Um, moving on from that, uh, Atlanta, Carolina was my next one. Uh, Atlanta wins it 31-24. It definitely wasn't pretty. Um, the NFC South looks like it might be the best division in football this year. Somehow, if Tampa Bay continues with its Fitzmagic and uh, and just you know putting up number one offense numbers, and then you got that Carolina defense that Matty Ice somehow beat them. I don't quite understand because he's not performed well most of the year this year of course i benched him this week and he finally had a, and he finally had a decent week but uh but yeah i don't have a lot of the takeaways for carolina are there there are literally no offensive weapons outside of christian mccaffrey in carolina he's right? awesome by the way 
he is pretty good, and I was down on him. I thought that he was going to be a bust. I thought he was going to be just another like fast, short white dude, and like those guys don't really. I think he's he's to me he's just fun to watch. Yeah, I mean he doesn't put up like fantasy stats, but he's still awesome. What he, he does, well, he does just because of the combination of things that he does, just because he gets carries and receptions as well. Um, you know, and he's the only weapon, so he's going to score at some point. Uh, as far as Atlanta goes, I mean. Who's better than Julio Jones, honestly? Like, that dude's... Just, I, I know he didn't score, and, like, I know it wasn't great, and, and Calvin Ridley finally showed something. Um, their, their rookie wideout, uh, who just looked lost in week one. But I, Julio is the man. He's the best wide receiver in football. He has been for, what, three years now? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Chargers Bills, baby. Your, uh, your AFC sleeper pick, and... Uh, my my one takeaway is that Vontae Davis is weak. So that's, let's that's it. Let's talk about this for a second for those of you who didn't see what happened this weekend on Sunday. Uh, Bills corner Vontae Davis at halftime walked out to his car, took all of his gear off, and retired, and went home. I had a, my initial reaction was good for you, dude. Get the hell out of that place. Don't waste a single second of your career in Buffalo where you've got a bunch of incompetent guys running the franchise on both sides of the ball. Then I went and I watched it again. And, and I was just like, you know, but you know what, though? So many NFL players have played on terrible fucking teams. Let's talk, let's, let's talk about Joe Staley for a second. Sure. Like, that dude played on losing Browns teams for like 15 years. Yeah. And was the best offensive lineman in the NFL for most of that time. Yep. Showed up to work every day, punched in, punched out, laid some dudes on the ground, lost by 20, Hall of Famer. Look, man, what Davis did is it's just, it's awful. It's awful what he did to his teammates. It's not like, and it's the, maybe one of the most selfish things I've ever seen in pro sports. If you wanted to retire or quit, quit at the end of the damn game. Right. Don't don't quit on half in halftime. Cause not only are you screwing over the remainder of your defense, you're screwing over the the second stringers or the, the third stringers that are behind you who are now getting thrown into a game that they're not prepared for. Right. Um if 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 this game specifically taught us anything about these two teams it's that uh, buffalo's going on 16 this year yeah everyone who plays buffalo gets essentially a bye week and whoever is playing buffalo in fantasy is a must start yeah a must start in the chargers i'm worried about the chargers the chargers do not look like contenders this year they look like the team that fucked up Every tan, every time that they had an opportunity to get ahead last year, they look flat. Yeah, they just look flat, which They're- I just don't understand because we know Philip Rivers is a great quarterback, and there's so many weapons on that roster. Yeah, no, it. I don't. I can't make heads or tails of it right now. And they're again. I mean, they're my, they're my AFC West pick, but they they don't look. They just don't look good right now. I mean. It, they they would if they didn't play the Bills if they played any other team, they would have lost. Can you? I just want you to think for a second, how hard Tom Brady would cream in his pants 
if he had Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, um, Mike Williams, and then they still have the other dude to uh, Benjamin, Travis Benjamin, as a deep threat. Yeah, yeah. As offensive weapons. Yeah, no, oh, no. They're Brady stats. had to go get trade a fifth rounder for Josh Gordon, who hasn't been good in five years. All right, and Phil Rivers somehow, somehow, I mean, I know, like, he personally had a great day against the Bills. But honestly, who's not going to have a great day against the Bills? He's, I put, I, I don't know who to put that on, honestly. Is it Phil? Is it the coaching staff? It's the coaching staff. It's the offensive play calling. They're not taking advantage of it. It's like watching Dallas, man. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to see a team without, like, what's going on with New Orleans right now? I can't wait to get to New Orleans. We can do that now. Uh, no, it's all right. <laughs> then I'm going to get confused. Okay. We're going to go to our highlight matchup of the week, Minnesota-Green Bay. Um, the refs stole the damn game from the Packers. I knew you were going to have a conspiracy theory about this. Did you watch it? I did. Okay, so then there's no conspiracy theory about it. It wasn't. It was not roughing the passer. I just... It wasn't roughing the passer. Yeah, but you could say like half the calls in a game are not what they say what they are. Okay, but that game legitimate that call legitimately changed the game. It was a pick. The game was over. Yeah, I mean, there's the Minnesota kicker would still be on their team. He wouldn't have lost his job. Yeah, I think that was hilarious. By the way, I can't wait wait to get back to that. No, I just think I think two things happened here. One is Kirk Cousins showed you that he's capable in a big moment of of pushing the team to another level. Uh, but then he also showed you that he's capable of choking really, really hard at the most crucial point of the game. Because if you're talking about that interception, and I don't like the idea that roughing the passer negates an interception because, like, you threw the ball before you got hit probably. He, he threw the ball. So no as matter how hard or how late you got hit, it didn't cause you to throw the interception. So the interception should stand. It should just maybe come with a yardage penalty. Because if that happens, then you're right. Green Bay wins the game. And, you know, we're having a whole different conversation. But we're not because they tied. And I still think that Minnesota is going to win this division. I think that the Green Bay struggled offensively for the most part against them and against the number two defense in the league yeah no i know oh, okay i know but I'm, i mean green bay is one of the going to be one of the best offenses in the league this year i think they have some breakout stars in geronimo allison they got uh, aaron jones coming back from suspension they still have um Devontae adams who looks like a legit number one receiver now randall cobb's even playing well and let's not forget that jimmy graham yeah. Like, he might never do anything just because there's no need for him, but he's there. Yeah. Um, I just think that – I think that these teams are evenly matched. 29-29 makes sense, even though the game probably should have gone the Packers' way because of that overturned interception. Um, also, Dalvin Cook not looking so good coming back from uh, from his ACL tear. Um, no, he's been he's been slow. None of that explosion that we saw when he was a rookie last year. Um, so that's definitely a concern for Minnesota because uh, they have Latavius Murray, I believe, as their backup. He's just kind of a a journeyman. I don't see him really being a staple. But, I mean, they're going to have to throw the ball. And they've got the receivers to do it. And they've got a great defense. Um, but if Dalvin Cook can't become the 
Leonard Fournette, the grinder, who's just going to get the ball 28 times and run the clock down for you, then they're going to have a much harder time reaching that like 11 and 5 marker that they're going to need to win that division than I initially thought that they would. I agree. I mean, I still have the Packers winning the division, mm-hmm. so that doesn't change anything. I just can't believe that they got robbed yeah. on their own field. Yeah, well, you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I'm aware. Houston, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, well, this one's easy for me. Deshaun Watson's overrated. He's completely overrated. Do you do these things just to piss me off? Go ahead. Tell me. Tell, tell me his numbers. Go ahead. Listen, it's first of all, it's his second game back. Who are they playing? From major knee surgery. Who are they playing? And a full offseason of rehab. Oh, here we go. Excuses. Excuses no, on your boy. It's Listen. You told me that playing. Houston was going to run away with this division. And I still believe that they are. Well, that's tough since they're 0-2. And Jacksonville's 2-0. They are. Don't worry. By week six, they'll probably have even records. I'm I'll not, bet you whatever you want that, that they will not have even records. Uh, Jacksonville is definitely going to lose two of their next four games. No, they won't. Here's the thing. No, just but who, like who did Houston play last week? Just like this defenses, past week. Tennessee. Yeah, and Tennessee played with their second and third string quarterbacks. He lost to Blaine Gabbert. Oh, I know. Oh, okay. I understand that. Oh, okay. Brady lost the freaking Blake Bortles. Bortles service. Do we somehow make Tom Brady not as good of a quarterback because of that? Tom Brady Tom Brady had nothing to do with the piss poor defense that the New England Patriots played. Okay. That's number one. Here's my point. Oh, okay. No, go ahead. About um, Watson. Oh no, go, go ask go me ahead. why I was pissed off. Yeah, go ahead. Explain to me why you're mad. I didn't expect him to walk onto the field week one and show the same kind of promise that he did when he came in for Tom Savage last year. He's coming back from major, major knee surgery, and it's going to take some time for two reasons. One, because the NFL had an entire offseason to game plan for him based on his tape from last year. So now he needs to adjust to their adjustments. And two, because... Physically, it's not like you just go back out there and you act like nothing ever went wrong. Like, you crash really hard. You're probably going to remember it the next time you get up on a bike. Like, you're going to think about it. And it takes some time to get yourself comfortable again to where you're not thinking about it. I'm not saying that that should be an excuse for his poor play because he has played poorly for the first two weeks. I'm just saying that's why I believe that he's going to continue to improve. And by the end of the year, we'll be talking about him as an elite quarterback. You're saying continue to improve. He hasn't improved yet. Well, he was better this week than last week. Yeah, you're right, because he threw one more touchdown pass. Yeah, I mean, some more yardage. He cracked 300 yards this week. He threw almost completed almost 70%. You know, like, I know that's not what you expect from him ideally, but he also ran for 8.8 yards per carry. Like, Yeah, know, but he, they he only put up him. 17 points. No, no, I, I know. I'm just saying he at least moved the ball. Yes, they didn't score. But this week, he at least moved the ball. Last week, they couldn't even move the ball. Against New England, Houston may as well have just punted every single time they got possession of the ball. Honestly. You know why New England was able to beat up on the Texans last Uh, week? Because the Texans' O-line is the worst in the league? No, because they weren't playing Bortle service, baby. Oh, my God. I can't even stand you. I can't even stand you. Oh, I guess we should talk about Tennessee a little bit here. Uh, Tennessee's trash. 
Well, yeah, especially if they don't have Mariota. They have no shot. Well, Mariota's me- mediocre anyway. and He's better than Watson. Oh, my God. No, he is not. Mm, yeah, he is. Not even close. Yeah, he is. Listen, we're going to... We're going to definitely have another conversation on another day about Marcus Mariota and Deshaun Watson. That's fine. We'll do one whole podcast about whether or not Marcus Mariota is better than Deshaun Watson. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Cleveland, New Orleans. Uh, the Saints are not a Super Bowl contender. I can't believe it, man. Not even close. What happened? They're not going to win the division. I don't even know if they're going to the wild card. Why do they do this to us? Why? <laughs> do this to us. No, we're not even Saints classic. fans. This, no, but this is classic Breeze and Peyton. Every time we see them and we go, oh, yeah, Breeze and Peyton, they're great. They got all these weapons. The defense is looking better. And they go on a little playoff run. And then they come back the next year and they just absolutely suck. If they had lost to Cleveland, I might have lost. Well, for starters, we never would have heard the end of it, A. But B, I, there's no way to recover from that. We would have had to take away their Super Bowl ring. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I know Katrina happened, and then you guys had the miracle season and won a Super Bowl, but you lost to the Cleveland Browns. We're going to have to take your Super Bowl rings away. It'll just be blacked out, like redacted in the history books of the NFL. I mean, I don't even really want to talk about them because they just piss me off so much right now. Like, they suck. Like, they really, I mean, even their offense is putrid. I have one glimmer of hope for New Orleans. Yeah, knock yourself out. Can we talk about the dynamic of having Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara be able to carry the ball 18 times a game? No, look, they have arguably the best one-two punch, maybe, in the NFL at running back. And I don't know which one is one and which one is two, to be honest with you, because Ingram's a better runner of the football, even though Kamara is a much better receiver. So they're pretty even. Like, they are part of one whole unit, and they're the best in the league at it. And Ingram still has a couple more games until he's back. But I think when he comes back, that might get them. Because now, like, defenses are game-planning for Alvin Kamara. Tampa Bay shut down Alvin Kamara. Like, Mike Smith's not a good enough defensive coordinator that he should be able to shut down Alvin Kamara. But because Alvin Kamara is the only thing they're doing, that's what everybody's focused on. So I think when Ingram comes back and they can use a little bit more of those double double running back sets and split Kamara out wide, you know, and, and, and get some of those other guys off the field who maybe don't belong... Uh, in that offense and upgrade. Because you figure if Ingram comes back, then as your running back and Kamara moves to the slot and your slot receiver moves to the bench, like that's a huge upgrade. Um, so I do still have some hope for them. I don't I don't want to overreact too badly, but it feels terrible in my soul. I don't know why New Orleans is doing this to us. And they could bounce back. I mean, it is Drew Brees. It's kind of hard to count him out, but right now they do not look like a Super Bowl contender. No. It's like... It's like the Saints and Buccaneers just switched places. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually Drew Brees, and Drew Brees is actually Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's actually you know, like they just swapped bodies. Eerie. It's weird. It is weird. Is that where you want to go next? Maybe I don't know. Uh, Cleveland sucks. That's it. I'm not talking about Cleveland anymore. Jets, Miami. Uh, let's see. Everyone needs to take a big chill pill on Sam Darnold. Let's take a step back and relax. Three touchdowns, three interceptions in his first two games. Everyone was talking about him like he was Joe Montana after the first week. Montana threw threw a lot of picks. I understand that. But what I'm saying, though, is that he looked 
awful against Miami. Yeah, I I watched very little of this game, unfortunately. Um, I just it was not one that I was really interested in because I think both teams are mediocre or bad. And I'm not saying, please don't get me wrong. I'm not calling Darnold a bust by any means because I still think Darnold. Um, obviously, I still believe in Mayfield, but I think Darnold is going to be a star quarterback in this league. Yeah. But I think everyone needs to just yeah we the way be, the way they were talking the guy about King him in New York all of a sudden you know yeah like, the way they were talking about him after week one you would have thought that he won the Super Bowl you know who's King of New York Quincy Anunua the receiver for the Jets yeah he is pretty dirty he was I picked him up late last year fantasy and he was a beast and I was like where did this guy come from and then he's coming back this year and he's out targeting everybody everybody and he's catching the ball a lot. Yeah, so I mean, um, Miami is a fraudulent 2-0 team. That's all I have for Miami. Yeah, there's always a couple. It's probably both of the Florida teams. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, Tampa Bay, I buy into more than Miami. Miami, Miami does this every year. They go 2-0 and or like they start the season like 2-0 and or 4-1, and and then they just explode. Mm-hmm. Did you know? That no Miami receiver had more than 37 yards in this game? No, I didn't, but that's a fun fact. That is a super fun fact. Tannehill completed 17 passes for 168 yards. Nobody had more than 53 rushing yards either, and Tannehill had 44 of their rushing yards. How on earth? Tannehill is sneaky athletic, How though. on earth? Frank Gore, nine rushes, 25 yards, 2.8 per carry. Frank Gore is, like, on his last toe. That dude, I mean, should, I'm surprised he's even moving. I don't understand how you get to 20 points if your leading rusher has 53 yards and your quarterback is your second leading rusher with 44 yards and he's a tall 6'4 white dude. Well, they picked off Darnold twice. And no receiver has more than 37 yards, like... You should never win that game. Yeah, but I mean, again, you, you, you picked them off twice. I think both times they gave them great field position. They didn't really have to do much. I don't know. The, the real problem here is 12 points for the Jets. Like, you have to score. Yeah. You have to score. Miami's offense is terrible. You have to score. Kansas City-Pittsburgh, my favorite game of the week. Mike Tomlin needs to go. That's all I have to say about that game. Everyone in Pittsburgh needs to go. Did you see Antonio Brown? Yeah, he's an, he's a punk. Yeah, we've always known Antonio Brown was a punk. We've talked about that many times on podcasts over the years. The dude's selfish, just like everybody else in the Steelers culture. But Mike Tomlin needs to be fired at the end of the season. I completely agree. Because if you have let, if you are supposed to be the captain of the ship, and you have allowed for this much mutiny... And I've been on the Mike Tomlin needs to go for a long time thing. I'm not like patting myself on the back, but he needs to go. Um, As far as the Chiefs go, y'all need to chill the fuck out about Patrick Mahomes. No, we do not. Yes, you do. Let me finish. No, we do not. Let me finish. You finish. Who's his coach? Good old Andy Reid. What is Andy Reid famous for? Choking in the last two minutes of the game. And especially in what months does he fall apart? Do his teams fall apart? Do his quarterbacks fall apart? Oh, yeah. January and February. And December. December. So come come talk to me around the holidays. (laughs) I will. And we'll see how good Patrick Mahomes is playing. But you see, 
Sorry, continue. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. But you see, the reason that we don't need to calm the fuck down about Patrick Mahomes, the reason that I can shout to the rooftops that Patrick Mahomes is the best young quarterback in the NFL this year is... Because there's nobody else? No, because Pat Mahomes is going to throw so many goddamn touchdown passes that Andy Reid is not going to be able to screw it up. Touch passes do not count as touchdown passes. Like, half of his touchdown passes are freaking touch passes. Who gives a shit? That's not a real touchdown pass. He threw the ball into the end zone. No, he didn't. He threw it. Or he threw it to a receiver who took it into the end zone. He Yes. Does he have... It? Here's the other reason. Because not only does Pat Mahomes have the best arm in the league. He does not have the best arm in the league. Dude. He does that, not have the best arm I in the know league. you love Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is the most pinpoint, precise, accurate passer in the NFL. He does not have the best arm in the league. Pat Mahomes would outthrow Aaron Rodgers by 20 yards. He threw a 70-yard bomb in the air. 70 yards in the air. Jamarcus Russell couldn't throw a ball 70 yards in the air. All right. He also has some of the most electric weapons in the league. Like, that's the real thing. Like, Mahomes actually could be not as good as we're saying that he is, but... He has so many elite athletes on that offense. In That's Kelsey, why I'm saying everybody Hill needs to take a deep Hunt. breath. But we don't because those weapons aren't going anywhere. Unless right, but injuries. it's not. But that's my point, though, is that it's not just it's not like he's playing with nothing. If oh. he was on the Jets, if he, if he and Sam Darnold switch places and he was doing what he's doing in Kansas City in New York, now you can have a conversation with me about him being like the next Aaron Rodgers because that's all I keep hearing is he's the next Aaron Rodgers. He's the next. I don't like calling anybody the next anything. I just think that Pat Mahomes is going to be an elite quarterback. It seems pretty clear. Um, I think he'll be a top 10 quarterback. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. All I'm saying is let's just take a deep breath. It's only week two. And let's see what happens. It is only week two, and that's why we should never overreact to anything. But if this is real, Pat Mahomes looks like the most talented quarterback we've seen come into the league. Since luck. Since luck. Easily. And we have been desperate for a guy like this. And we have been desperate for an offense like this. They look like the Golden State Warriors out there. Don't you They do. They're just bombing. Disrespect. Listen, every play is a downfield play. Look, they I, are bombing threes and they are blowing teams out of the gym and they're going to break some offensive records this year. They're explosive. Absolutely. I, I said it. I said it to Landon when he was talking shit about how the Eagles are going to break some, break some offensive records. I said, no, but you watch out for the Chiefs because that team is going to break some records. I, More importantly than how, how much I love Mahomes and how great the Kansas City Chiefs are and how great my pick for them to win their division and uh, be the two seed in the AFC is looking. The Pittsburgh Steelers are an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, if I were them, I would trade Le'Veon Bell to the highest bidder tomorrow. I would say it's got a 24-hour time limit, and whoever puts in the best bid gets him. Um, and then I would do the exact same thing with Antonio Brown. And then I would cut Ben Roethlisberger because he is not even worthy of getting something in return on trade. And I would scrap the coach, and I would scrap the GM, and I would start the Pittsburgh Steelers from scratch, from nothing. It's not going to happen, but James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster might be the only two players on the entire roster that I keep. I love Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, me too. 
I think he's unbelievably underrated. I mean, again, when you're playing with Antonio Brown on the other side, it's kind of hard, but yeah, to get noticed, but still. But uh, you know, it's he's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. I I just I really like Schuster a lot. Um, all right, where are we going? Well, really quick. So Pat Mahomes in his first two games, I, th- I was looking for this stat. It's on Football Reference. His Average yards per attempt. Isn't it like 13 yards or something like that? His first game was 12.4. His second game was 15.9. Okay, so 13 points. That's deep downfield. Like, pick a deep threat. Aaron Rodgers? Pick a quarterback who throws the ball deep. You mean the guy with one leg? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Pick pick on Aaron Rodgers right now. I'm gonna <laughs> knock yourself Aaron. out. Average yards per attempt: game one seven, game two eleven point five three. And that's he throws the ball downfield. So Mahomes is throwing the ball downfield at a rate that is way above, and maybe that's not sustainable. But maybe it is, and if it is. This is going to be one hell of a football season because it's going to be a super interesting MVP race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, pretty pretty pumped about that. Pat Mahomes is awesome. But, yeah, I, I would just absolutely rip the Steelers apart and start start all over. Um, all right, let's do it. Which one? Buccaneers. Buccaneers. Eagles are nothing without Carson Wentz. I would contend that the Eagles are going to be nothing even when they have Carson Wentz. And here's why. So are you not picking them to win the East anymore? They're still going to win the East. Okay. Because, uh, except for maybe Washington, uh, the rest of that division. Listen. Oh, my God. No, we'll get to Washington in a second. You are such an Alex Smith homer. It is unbelievable. No, their defense is so bad, it's not going to matter. But... There's there's no way that the Eagles, no one in that division is going to win it. The Eagles have to lose it. And they have to lose it so hard that even with Foles starting for the entire year, they still might win the division just by default. But this might be the division that we see with an 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven winner. You know Wentz is back, right? Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. Yeah, after they got stomped by Tampa, magically he was cleared to play. Well, that's because they're, they're scared. They're scared. They got to play Andrew Luck and his. They should be scared. Posse of <laughs> nothing. Of misfits. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Andrew Luck and the Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I gotta. We gotta get into this because is I need to know because I'm not a sane person when it comes to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm either doing one of two things. I'm either being way, way, way overly optimistic about them and talking shit about my rookie quarterback. And then Josh Freeman throws an interception seconds later, and I never live it down for the rest of my life. Or I am absolutely shitting all over them, zero faith at all that they're going to be any good. And I just I can't decide what I want to be this season because with what Ryan Fitzpatrick has been able to do this year, I, I don't understand. I don't understand where it came from. I don't understand how Fitzpatrick even has that in him because we never saw anything like that 
when he was in Buffalo or when he was in New York. Like, yeah, he'd play decent for a game or two, but never anything like... He's ranked number one in the league in fantasy points for a quarterback right now. Like, he is playing legitimately like the best quarterback in the league. And I've said it a million times. Tampa has the weapons. They have the offensive skill position players that if we had an elite quarterback, which Jameis Winston has proven to us time and time and time again that he is not, we can be successful. The other problems that still exist are Dirk Cutter was a terrible head coach, which he finally gave up the offensive play calling duties to his offensive coordinator. So just imagine that all of a sudden. Dirk Cutter that gives up his play calling duties and, and the Tampa Bay offense is throwing like 48 points a game on the board. And then, you know, you still got Mike Evans and Deshaun, and Deshaun Jackson and they've got this kid Chris Godwin playing in the slot this year and they've got two starting tight ends that are really good. And all of a sudden you've got the makings of a juggernaut offense. The, the question is, A, can the defense get enough takeaways? Because that's pretty much what it comes down to with that Tampa defense and Mike Smith is... Can these guys get to the quarterback and can we take the ball away to, in, to give our crazy offense enough opportunities to put a shit ton of points on the board? And is it real? I don't, I don't want to give you hope, but you guys just look good. I mean, you, you, you actually look like you have a team, like a complete team for the first time in over a decade maybe more dude i don't even know i can't i it's been so long that i've just been like despondent about how terrible tampa bay is that i don't even really remember the last really good solid team we had it was it was the super bowl team it's literally all been downhill since the 2002 super bowl because that follow-up year with gruden the team was terrible and that's why he got fired right um, and then they brought in just a series of totally underqualified coaches. Except Lovey Smith was thrown in there somewhere, but they decided to fire Lovey Smith, even though, even though Lovey Smith had a shit roster to work with. And I still contend that he deserved his job for another year. But you know, we we needed to get we needed to get some other some other clowns in there who had you know no head coaching experience at all. But and now we've got this Dirk Cutter guy and. All through there, you're talking about Josh Freeman, Mike Glennon, and Jameis. And it's like those were our those were our reset buttons, and and none of them has been good. And now here comes this old journeyman Ryan Fitzpatrick with his giant beard. He he's having a Case Keenum like here. I don't even think it's fair to compare him to Case Keenum. Case Keenum did nothing like what what Fitzpatrick has done in the first two weeks here in Tampa. I I'm just talking about a journeyman quarterback who's having a resurgent season. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be an. Is this Kerry Collins? Ooh. You know what I mean? Is it is it Kurt Warner? Is this a Kurt Warner season? Like all of a sudden the Arizona Cardinals are a Super Bowl contender. Like it feels like Maybe. that's what it might be, and if it is. What's well, stopping Tampa from from taking this NFC South? Because it doesn't look like any of the rest of these guys want it. Oh yeah, no, you guys could take it. I mean, I think you're only. I'd need to see Atlanta play again 
for another season. Uh, I mean, another season, excuse me, another week. And yeah. see what Atlanta's got um, to see which week was the fluke. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think I think Atlanta's, you know, I think Atlanta has shown us the most consistency, um, even though they haven't been great um, from the NFC South teams, other than Tampa, I mean. Um, but it, I, I still I still would look out for Carolina a little bit too. But I, I don't know. I think the Eagles are in some serious trouble. I think that the players that they lost matter and that having Carson Wentz coming back in, in the same circumstances, you know, and, and I don't want to sit here and tell you Carson Wentz isn't going to be good because he was an MVP candidate last year. And if I think that Deshaun Watson's going to come back and be an elite quarterback, then obviously I, this the stands to reason that I believe that Carson Wentz is also going to be a great quarterback. It's going to take him some time to get reintegrated. It's going to take him some time to reach the comfort level with his knee where He's not worried about getting outside the pocket and and getting crushed by somebody or, you know, stepping the wrong way on a scramble or, you know, going out for a Philly special and and just, you know, getting getting cleaned out or something like that. I think I think Wentz is going to be great again, but I don't know that this Philly team is capable of being as good as they were last year. I think last year was lightning in a bottle for this Philadelphia team. The fact that they won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback is just ridiculous. No other team in the league could have won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback last year. None. If Nick Foles is behind the Patriots offensive line, then I'm sorry. There's no way. Tom Brady had to surgically take apart the Philadelphia defense, which was one of the top in the league, just to keep them in the game Whereas Foles had this easy-ass Patriots defense to go through. I just don't think that Philadelphia has the supporting cast that they did last year. And now Alshon Jeffries also coming back from injury. So, again, I, I think that it's going to take once some time. And I think that even when he gets back and ready, they're not the same team. And I think that Doug Peterson, as, as much as I've given him credit recently, you know that he may actually be a brilliant NFL coach, I think there's a plateau. And I think that they rose very quickly, and I think that they're going to hit that plateau. And, and I don't see, without some of the roster changes, I don't see a way that they're more than a first-round exit this year. Well, I picked them as a first-round exit to begin the season. Anyway, like I, I don't – I just – call it a Super Bowl hangover if you want to, but I just – I never bought into Philly, even in the preseason. It had nothing to do with Wentz. It truly had no. nothing to do with Wentz's injury. There was just something about it. I just, I just don't trust him. And the way that they they should be zero two. Yeah, you're I'm, damn right. They should be zero two. I mean, Atlanta gave them that game in Week One. So no, I don't. I don't buy into Philly either. I still and like I said, I mean, I have Dallas. I still think Dallas is going to win that division. I don't know. Oh, Indy Washington. Andrew Luck is the real Superman. Of the NFL, no question, right? I I did say it to you, right? I was like, I think when he, I think the moment he steps on the field, he's an elite quarterback. I mean, he's still he's turning the ball over again way too much. I mean, he's got four interceptions in two weeks. It's it's, it's way too many. Um, but but I mean, look at what he's dealing with, man. No, I know, I know. I'm just I'm just saying, like that's the one thing as a as an Andrew Luck fan, that's the one part of his game that he's always had trouble with is 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 turning the ball over. Um, but aside from that, I mean, he, 
he beat a Redskins team who you think is good. Um, and I don't understand how, since they only put up nine points a against a team who has an offense that I think can be good. Um, but we saw a massive underperformance from Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson on this day. And I don't expect that to be the case every week. Well, I'm not saying it's going to be every week. I'm just saying either, one of two things is true. Either the Colts are sneaky decent or the Redskins are not as good as you think they are. I actually believe that the Colts are sneaky decent. I believe that after I watched their week one performance. Okay. Um, especially with Andrew Luck back. And I think that they have a couple of decent running backs. I think that even though he doesn't have a lot of weapons, T.Y. Hilton um, is still better than some of the things that Brady's got right now. Um, by quite a lot, even if his second best receiver is the Ryan Grant that nobody knows about, um, and Eric Ebron, who used to be the tight end for the Lions. I just think that Andrew Luck has enough magic to, to get you a 21-9 to win against the Washington Redskins, even though I think the Redskins are a decent team. It probably won't matter come playoff time because he's got literally no one. But Yeah, if they somehow sneak a wild card, um, which won't happen, but... You know, it's one of those, it's, you know, Victor Oladipo dragged the Indiana Pacers to a true. Pretty, pretty decent playoff seed, you know? That's true. And, and I mean, head-to-head with LeBron, so. You just call me a skeptic, and I'm going to be that way until I can see Luck actually finish out a season. Listen, so. I forgive you if you when you go back and you listen to my Tampa Bay Buccaneers rant that I did because you were upstairs corralling wild animals. <laughs> um, you'll see I'm very much sitting the fence here. Like, I don't know what to believe. Like, the fan in me wants to go, yeah, baby, Tampa Bay is going to win the division. We're going to go to the playoffs. Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, who's to say we can't come out of the NFC this year, right? Uh, well, fucking I am because I know better than to trust my Buccaneers. And it's it's probably the same situation where Richard and, and, and those guys were pre, uh, pre-Super Bowl last year or pre-playoffs last year where you show me. You've ripped my heart out so many times. Well, especially Philly. Absolutely. Show me. You yeah. know, and, and I and I feel like that with the Bucks right now. So, uh, Cardinals Rams. Uh, well, the Rams are probably the best team in football. Rams won thirty four and nothing. And uh, it's time to start Josh Rosen. Like, let's stop. Let's stop playing games. Why would you not start him week one? There's no way uh, that the coaching uh, staff in Arizona, in Arizona did not know before the end of the preseason, that they were going to be a bottom three team this year? My only guess is because they didn't want to throw him to the Wolves because they know their team sucks. And they'd rather just not let him get injured or something happen to him. But at this point, it's two weeks. Bradford is done. But, like, instill a three-second out offense. Like, a two-step drop and the ball is gone. We don't care if we punt it on fourth and three every single possession. You're just going to go back there, take snaps, and get rid of the ball. Like, why is that harmful? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't you have still have David you. Johnson. You still have Larry Fitzgerald. If there was ever a time for him to make mistakes and learn, it feels like it's a year where you have two of the best skill position players in the league and no hope of making the playoffs. Yeah, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, you know, that I think that now is the time. Start Rosen. And there's really not much to say about the Rams other than the fact that I think they're the most complete team in the league. You're not wrong. I still am not so sure that I trust Jared Goff completely. Um, he still does some things that make me a little nervous. But uh, Todd Gurley 
is good enough that it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And it also turns out that Brandon Cooks is the perfect wide receiver for that Rams offense. Yeah, I still think they overpaid, but well, they did. He's great. But I mean, he is uh, well. Good. Then again, considering what wide receivers are getting paid these days, who really knows what an overpay is? Uh, Odell, Odell is an overpay. Um, anyway, the Cardinals may be the only team in the league that the Bills could be in a head-to-head matchup, just because it possibly would be an all-time shit fest. I'd actually enjoy that game. We could have Allen against Rosen. It could be. It would be good. It would be fun. Shady against against uh, David Johnson. Yeah, why not? Oh, let's make it happen. Can we just get an exhibition game? Can they just cancel one of their games and do an exhibition game? Yeah, they can, they can have that game in London. Yeah. Uh, here, here we go. Detroit, San Francisco. Matt Stafford deserves so much better. It's hard not to agree with you. He, and we say this all the time every year, Matt Stafford is a really good quarterback. That's my guy, by the way, who I think is the best arm in the league. Is Matt Stafford? I thought so too until I saw Mahomes. I know you you think Mahomes. I'm just I, I have a really hard time giving up on Stafford. Um, I here's here's the thing with with Stafford though is he's got great weapons this year. Like Jones and Galladay are legitimately really good receivers. I mean, they're good, but they're not great. Galladay definitely is on the path to being great. Galladay this year is 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 stealing last year. It feels like to me. Maybe it's been two weeks. I I know. I'm I'm saying that I think he has the opportunity to be that, and I also think that the real problems lie with the defense. Who would have imagined that Matt Patricia's defense would struggle? Well, because it really wasn't his defense in New England. It was Bill Belichick's. Oh, and I totally forgot to mention Golden Tate in terms of his elite weapons that he has to throw the ball to. Um, as, far, as far as San Francisco goes, the jury's out. I don't have like a... I, don't, I mean, you know... I'm, what do you mean the jury's out? Jimmy Garoppolo is playing like a mediocre quarterback, but he also doesn't have his number one wide receiver. And I'm saying the jury's out. I'm not. I don't have a. I don't have a. a I can't give you anything on Jimmy G right now. It's week two. He's playing decent football. He's not playing great. He's not playing bad. He's he's playing middle of the road. He didn't turn the ball over this week, but he also didn't. He also didn't. He was not the reason that they won this game. No, that's why I said he's playing middle of the road quarterback. I am worried about Jimmy G. Remember the time that I was like, he's the next Matt Castle? He's not the next Matt Castle. I know he's not the next Matt Castle. I've obviously come much farther around on Jimmy G. I had to admit that he was a very good young quarterback. You couldn't deny it. I'm not so sure that there's a chance that you're ever comfortable paying him more than $20 million. I think we could see this be one of the worst contracts in the NFL really quickly. Maybe. If they don't put a team around him, it could be. He doesn't have a team around him. He doesn't have a running back at all. Like, not one. No. I know Matt Breda had like 100 and something disgusting yards, but he had like 11 carries. It's like one breakaway. It's not good. No. It's not good. The defense is abysmal. That's Um, what I'm saying. And still somehow they managed to win the game. So you definitely have to give him some credit. 
Um, but I definitely am concerned about Jimmy. Um, I would fire Matt Patricia now. They won't, but he won't make it past this season. We're already so. hearing that the locker room hates him because he came in there with this like dick attitude. Yeah, he thinks he's Bill Belichick. That's the same thing that. But even Bill didn't walk into an into a, an organization that had some success the year previously for the first time and go, "Hey, fuck you guys, you're doing it my way." No, but I was reading an article where all of Bill's coordinators come in, wanting or trying to be Bill Belichick. Yeah, McDaniel's did it in Denver. Mangini did it in New York and in Cleveland. They they all do the same shit every time they leave. They try to be Bill, and it blows up in their faces. Because nobody's Bill. No one's Bill. Broncos, Raiders, a point of great contention for you and I. Um, honestly, Carr deserves better, and this is in regards to John Gruden's offensive play calling. David Carr deserves much better. Cause David Carr definitely deserves better, but Derek Carr. I'm sorry. Also Derek deserves Carr. better. <laughs> I do that all the time. Carr. Even everybody else. It actually, the other thing too is it made me feel better about saying that Carr is a better quarterback than most people give him credit for. And he showed that on Sunday. But John Gruden's play calling is awful. It is awful. And I was on the John Gruden's coming back. Raiders are going to run away with this. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I don't know, man. I don't know if he if he buys into his own hype now where like he just thinks that he's smarter than everybody else. But he's calling like I'm watching the game and I know what he's going to run. Before they even snap the damn ball. So if I can figure it out, it's not that hard for a defense like Denver to figure it out. No, and, and it's definitely fair to give Denver's defense some credit here. because And to do two things, really. One, Denver's defense does look really good. Oh, and o- Oakland's defense is trash. Just awful. It's just, so bad. Just awful. Um, but also... I want to credit Derek Carr in a way for because you don't complete ninety percent of your passes all the time, especially when you throw more than thirty of them, and he did. How do you complete twenty nine passes and only amass two hundred and eighty eight yards unless you are Tom Brady, or you just run the shit out of the ball and the only time you're throwing it is to convert third down, like. Yes, that can be a play call problem, but at some point he needs, and I've said this about him before, Derek Carr needs to take shots downfield. Yeah, but they need to they need to give him the opportunity to do that. He knows what the audibles are. He knows that there are gonna be guys you you mean to tell me that on thirty-two passing plays. 32 plays where he threw the ball, not just called passing plays. So 32 times Derek Carr got a a passing play call and could not find anyone downfield once. Maybe not. 32 times. You don't know. At least try to make a play. I didn't watch the whole game, so I don't know. I'm just telling you from what I watched. He could have tried downfield and he could have missed. I watched this game. 
The entire game. Almost all of it. I missed parts of the first quarter. But Derek Carr, yes, he deserves some credit because he's Alex Smith and the shit out of it out there for sure. But he's not going to win you football games. That is not the type of quarterback that he is right now at this stage of his career. And two years ago, we thought that he was. And even watching him week one, you could see some flashes. You know, you could you could talk yourself into it. I, I just don't know. John Gruden does not belong in the NFL. And it kills me to say it because he's my favorite coach of my team ever. Um, but he just doesn't belong. He's not... He's no, he's outdated. Like, he just doesn't belong here anymore. He, he's got to go. And I think that, I think that Case Keenum's playing okay for Denver. Um, I think that finding Lindsey on the scrap heap from frickin' downtown Denver, unrestricted or undrafted rookie free agent, and all of a sudden he's the lead back, like that makes a huge difference. Demarius Thomas looks okay. You know, um, that Denver team. I don't know, man. Sneaky good with that defense. If if Keenum and the rest of the offense can just they'll go seven and nine. Have a power running game. They'll finish the season seven and nine. Seven and nine. Yeah, it's a John Elway team. They're not ridiculous. that good. No, they, they're not you that are good. Ridiculous. How, how how's John Elway's drafting going again? I forgot. Lindsey's run. He signed Lindsey. Ooh, how that how was that big quarterback that that was supposed to be the next big thing? Why are we know. still talking about that? He's not even on the roster anymore. Well, yeah, I, I know that's. I find that fascinating since he was supposed to be the next great thing because John said so. Oh my goodness, you're so jaded. Denver's gonna kick some ass. Yeah. Okay. Some... Okay. Oakland's bad. Oakland. I'm gonna be right. Oakland's going to finish last in that division. No, they won't. Who's gonna finish last in that division? I said it before the season, Denver. There's no way. Okay. They we'll literally see. can't unless they lose the second game against Oakland. All they have to do is win one game against Oakland for the rest of the year, <laughs> and there's not the last place in the division. Well, yeah, they are, because if Oakland has an overall better record than Denver. Oh, they're definitely not going to. Not even close. We'll see. No way. No way. New England, Jacksonville. They're, by the way, they're, that's another fraudulent 2-0 team. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. They're not as good as, as 2-0 and says that they are. Um, but they're definitely better than Oakland. Jaguars Patriots, is that what we're doing? We sure are. I watched every single second of this game. Bortle service. I have I can't decide who I hate more, you or Blake Bortles. Why do you hate Blake Bortles? Why? Because 64% of his passes, 377 yards, and four touchdowns. Do you want to talk about fraudulent... Blake Bortles' stat line in this game is fraudulent. It was not fraudulent because everyone was talking about how this was the this was his greatest game he has ever played. Oh, everyone was talking about it. That must mean that it's true. Well, I would say since Tony Romo is the best analyst in football right now, yeah. Tony Romo can go blow Jerry Jones while Jessica Simpson watches because Bortles had the game of his life. Against and we will never against who and they he will fall back down to who the did North. he play against? Yeah, he played the Patriots. Oh, okay, and he had the game of his life. He did, and in his a regular stats, season week two game, his stats 
that would make him a top 10 quarterback according to his stat line, wouldn't it? You know, the, the thing that you said he wouldn't be? He's not a top 10 quarterback. He is a top 10 quarterback. If you look up his stats right now, he is a top 10 quarterback because I did it. He is a top 10 quarterback in this Based league right now. Stats. His season stats for the first two games of the season. Right, but how is it, how is it filtering it? How is it, how is it separating? How is it ranking them? It depends. Do you want to go by yardage? Do you want to go by QBR? Do you want to go by just quarterback rating? I usually go by QBR. You go by QBR? QBR is the most overrated stat in football. QBR is awful. Anyway, he's fifth in touchdown passes. He has more passing touchdowns so far this season than Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers. But it's fine, though, Matt. He's not a top 10 quarterback right now. It's okay. It's okay to be butthurt right now because you're dead wrong about Blake Bortles. I'm not wrong about Blake Bortles. How are you not wrong about Blake Bortles? He will finish the season outside of the top 15. No question. Well, that's going to be really difficult since he's already in the top 10. That's where he's after week two. His team's 2-0. He just had the game of his life. But why do you of hate Blake Bortles? Why, why are you such a hater of Blake Bortles? I don't understand this. Because he's not a good quarterback. How is he not a good quarterback? How many playoff wins does he have? Like three. Hmm, okay, so that would make him a bad quarterback? Because that doesn't make any sense. I'm not saying that playoff wins are the defining factor of what makes a good quarterback. Obviously, if I believe that, then Andy Dalton would be terrible. Andy Dalton is terrible. Andy it, Dalton is not terrible. Andy Dalton is a decent He's not better than Blake Bortles. He is definitely better than Blake Bortles. No, he's not. If you swapped rosters, Andy Dalton would look like that every week. No, he would. Are you kidding me? Compared to Blake Bortles. Not close. If Blake Bortles had a, had a receiver like A.J. Green, are you kidding me? He would spend the whole game missing him while he was wide open. No, he wouldn't because he didn't miss wide open players yesterday your hatred of blake bortles is you want to talk about somebody who's jaded my disdain for blake bortles is based on the fact that he has proven year over year that he is not a very good quarterback that is my disdain for blake bortles yet he keeps winning i just i don't understand you do love those quarterbacks that just win don't you I do, Tim actually. Tebow. What's Tim Tebow doing these days? Uh, Another quarterback that just wins. It's not his fault. He got. You want to talk about someone who got blackballed out of the fucking NFL. Well, I think it's white ball if it's Tebow, isn't it? Maybe. But he did get screwed. <laughs> he is not an NFL quarterback. You're the only one who says that because everybody else, everybody else in the NFL who follows the NFL from Lewis Riddick even Mike Wilbon talks about it all the time how he got screwed. Tim Tebow got screwed. I mean, that's a whole conversation for another day. Yeah. But Blake Bortles is a top 10 quarterback, and it, it's okay to be upset about it. I mean, you were wrong about Kirk Cousins because Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback as well. Is he? Are we sure? Are we sure we want to believe these rankings? What do you mean, believe these rankings? I haven't been wrong. Like, and that's that's what kills you more than anything else is the fact that at the end of the day, if I'm right about Blake Bortles, it's going to haunt your dreams. It's just so annoying because it was like you were just rooting for him because he sucked so bad. 
and no one was rooting for him. And so you started rooting for him. And then all of a sudden he just like sneezed and shat his pants and all of a sudden was in an AFC championship game. That doesn't sound like me at all. I don't do that. Ever. And then you just kept going with it. And now he comes out regular season week two against the Patriots and has the game of his life. And now it's like sweet, sweet vindication for you. And I can't wait until he has like a sixth interception performance later in the year when it actually matters. And I can be like, hey, dude, no, you know, that Blake Bortles was never good. Never good. Off of one game? Anyway. You would make that determination off of one game? Um, do we want to talk at all about the, the Patriots here? No, not we're just really. going to spend the whole time talking about Blake Bortles. Yeah, because what we already know what's going to happen. The Patriots are going to write the ship like they do. They're going to end the season probably 12 and four or 11 and five, and they'll go to the AFC championship game. Yeah, I'm convinced that they're going back to the Super Bowl now. Yeah, no, I know, 100%. I know. I said last year at the end after that Super Bowl that there was no way that well, now that they have back. Josh Gordon, they're just going to blitz everybody. <clears throat> Go ahead, Salty. Josh Gordon has not been a serviceable NFL wide receiver in five seasons. Yep, the guy cannot show up to team scheduled events. Keep going. Is, is worse than Des Bryant about meetings and being on time, which is the reason that Des Bryant still doesn't have a job, by the way. Okay, keep going. And has major, major personal, mental, and health issues, including problems with abuse, with drug and alcohol abuse. What team did he go to? He went to the Patriots. Right, and what did the Patriots do? What team do you think is going to cut him in three weeks when he fucks up? They're not going to cut him in the three Patriots. weeks. The Patriots. They're not going to cut him in three weeks. Even if they keep him and use him, again, I would point out that he hasn't been a serviceable NFL wide receiver but in five years. But if they years. use him and he's productive, you're wrong. And in what world, in the Belichick way... Do the guys that have been in there grinding all offseason take a back seat to the to the fucking drug addicted, can't get his shit together, doesn't show up on time, Josh Gordon? We're not even sure if he's good anymore, Josh Gordon. You're saying he's not even good anymore. He played well last week. He had one good play. He had a couple good plays. He had one good play. He looked good last week. You're, you're, you don't like him because he plays for the Browns. No, I loved Josh Gordon. I was on the then bandwagon of problem? why on earth why on earth would you ban this person from the league for something so stupid? But then I saw more of it and more of it and more of it and realized they're banning this guy because he's fucked up in the head and he's making an absolute disaster of his so, life. So are you going to be pissed if he actually ends up productive for the Patriots? Because that's what you sound like. You just sound like a bitter old man over there. I'm telling you he's not going to be productive for the Patriots. But if he does prove me wrong, then good for him. It's his career. He had one reception for 17 yards and a touchdown. Okay. He scored a touchdown. He Three had one targets. catch. He had one catch. One catch and, and a touchdown. And he scored a touchdown. He started the game on the offense. He only had one catch. And did he? Did, but did it produce points? Once. Yes. It doesn't matter how many it times did. he did it. I'm the, just saying to you, fact of the matter. So if, have if not seen if that's him be a they, talented NFL player in but, five years, but that's what the Patriots do: is they take players that people think suck, they put them on the roster, and then Brady turns around and turns them into something. They did it with Wes Welker. They did it with Danny Woodhead. They did it with Amendola. People yeah. who they thought were garbage. But there's also players that they've brought in that have not worked out. You're only talking about the success stories, of which there are a few, yes. There are a few. There's plenty. 
But we're not talking about the guys that came in there and never made it. And All trash. I can think of is two, and that's Albert Hainsworth and Ocho Cinco. That's it. They also brought T.O. in for a workout, and he couldn't even figure out the playbook to even begin to try out to make the team. T.O. was preseason. It doesn't matter. I'm saying they've taken chances on guys with those personality traits or character issues and okay, stuff like so that. Okay, so three. Look, for example, three they, traded, failures. they traded Collins. They traded Jamie Collins, one of the best edge rushers in the league, just because he was a bad locker room presence. Right, so who says that Josh Gordon's going to be a bad locker room presence? Because he's been a bad locker room presence the entire in time Cleveland. he's been in the NFL. In Cleveland. Okay. Look at who their leadership is in Cleveland. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to dispute that. I'm not saying that there's no chance at all that Josh Gordon figures his life out because everybody's got a chance at redemption, right? I, I saw some guy at Walmart today who was, who was jobless and asking for money, and I told him to come and apply at my work after I asked him about his story and his life experience, and I told him to put me down as a reference <clears throat> so that he could get a job and get his life back together because everybody deserves a shot at redemption, right? Josh Gordon deserves that opportunity just as much as anyone, but what I have also learned is that generally, generally, over a period of about five to seven years, people show you who they are. And I don't see Josh Gordon really changing any part of what has made him a disaster in Cleveland. Yes, Cleveland itself is a disaster. Okay, well, we'll see. I don't remember where I was. Well, you have two games left. We can talk about the Cowboys and Giants or the Seahawks and the Bears. Can I pick neither? Um, Giants-Cowboys. We can make this very quick. Giants-Cowboys. Uh, Eli Manning, once again, is running for his life and seeing his life flash before his eyes because the Giants suck again, which is what I called. Also, um, Dak Prescott needs to throw the ball farther and um, stop only putting up anemic performances. Um, well, you want to talk about a scheme problem. Don't even get me started. They're Don't not even giving Ezekiel Elliott the ball. Don't get me started. I, I can't I can't with, with Jason Garrett anymore. The clapper, man. I've been saying it for two years. Fire the guy. I can't. What are they doing? Um, the Giants are awful. Like they with all that talent, they're awful. And Eli looks done. And it, it's not necessarily his fault because again, he has no he has the worst line in the league. It's just bad. But he does look done. He's got a terrible line, but he's got ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous weapons on the offensive side of the ball. He should be able, if he was even a fraction or a fragment, I'm not sure what the expression is, of his former self, then even with this terrible O-line, he would find a way to put up some numbers. If if they look bad after like week six or week seven, they should consider benching him and bringing in Davis Webb. For what reason? Why not? Davis Webb's never going to be the, the legit starter there. But why waste your time with Eli? I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter now that his streak was broken last year by that idiot anyway. Yeah, so I mean, that's why I'm saying. You might as well just maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe Eli should retire at halftime. <laughs> I thought he was going to with, with how his eyes bugged out after that one time he got sacked. So yeah, um, Giants, Giants, I think, are going to end up last in that division. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I still think there's a shot for them to bounce back. Um, Dallas is very frustrating to me because their they, defense is no joke, though. 
I mean, Saquon Barkley only ran for like 28 yards. Their defense is, again, it's, it's difficult because it's kind of hard to run when you don't have a line to block for you. Yeah. But plenty of other guys have done it, though. Their defense is, is pretty damn good. Yeah, no, it is. Which makes a huge difference, obviously, because uh, if they were just, they should just fire Jason Garrett. I don't know. Promote somebody. Bring some. Who, who gives a shit? Literally anyone off the street. Let to bring Tony Romo back to call the plays for your offense. Seriously, how great would that be? Tony Romo gets called out of the booth and goes to be the the offensive coordinator. He for should the just Dallas be the Dallas. head coach. Or the head coach, whatever. That'd be awesome, actually. That would be incredible. Um, I'd go out and buy Dallas swag if that happened. Oh god, it's ridiculous. Don't let Dan hear you say that. Um, all right, last one: Seahawks Bears. The Bears are one year away from being true contenders. And by true contenders, I mean Super Bowl contenders. They're one year away. Uh, the defense is for real. Um, and I thought that it would be once they got Mac. Um, their weapons are pretty good. They just need little... They need they need something else. They need yeah. another weapon. They need one more... They need one truly number one receiver. Yep. Which is really disappointing that they don't have Alshon Jeffrey on this team. Yeah. <laughs> and Mitch Trubisky is getting better at game by game. He's getting a little bit better. All right, let's do Seattle real quick, and then we'll jump into questions because I actually have a question about the Bears for you. Um, Russell Wilson, once again. It's like Andrew Luck, man. It's, yeah. It that, really is. That poor, poor bastard. I mean, it, he's, he literally, he's, just, he's literally throwing it to himself at this point. They have nothing. They, it, it's just, I don't even really want to talk about them. It's it's going to be a really long year for Seattle fans. How long before Pete Carroll gets fired? Um, Because I, I don't know. He's kind of tied to the hip with Russell Wilson, I feel. I don't know, man. If you would have asked me any time in the last couple of years who the untouchable coaches in the league were, Pete Carroll would have been on the list. But now I'm not so sure. We'll see. I guess it depends on how bad it how bad this season ends up being for them. I mean, the only thing saving them is the fact that Arizona is just awful in that division. I mean, I, I still think Seattle can win like six, seven games. But. I don't know, man. They have literally not one skill position player of of notability other than Brandon Marshall. I just... It's, Brandon it's, Marshall hasn't been good in a long time. It's really hard for me, though, to think that, that Russell Wilson can't win them. At least a handful of games. Uh, me too, generally, but and it's not like they got blown out here. But uh, Russell Wilson and the defense, the Seattle defense does look decent. I'll give them that. Yeah, I, I'll give them that they're not abysmal, but they did that. They should not have lost to the Bears if they were going to be a decent team this year. So that wraps our week one or uh, week two recap, rather, and we're going to jump into questions. And I'm going to start because we just came off of uh, the Chicago game. And I want to ask you, is Mitchell Trubisky actually a good quarterback? I want to say yes. Do I think he's really good? No. He looked pretty bad last night. He made a lot of bad bad decisions last night. Um, and he made bad decisions in week one as well. Yeah. Um, I want him to be good. So I'm going to say yes. But I could also see... Chicago drafting another quarterback in another year or so. Maybe yeah. two. Maybe seeing what Jay Culler's doing. 
I I asked that because I I you know I've rooted for Chicago on and off over the years. In addition to my my Bucks fandom, you know Chicago's always been a team that I've been uh, sympathetic to, and I always loved Cutler. And I'm really worried that Trubisky is. Mike Lennon that year that Tampa Bay just had nobody, so Mike Lennon played like ten games and was pretty good, and then he rode pine for a couple of years, and then everybody realized that he sucked. Mm-hmm. Like I'm worried that Trubisky actually is not a good NFL quarterback. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it wouldn't be like the Bears to not have a good quarterback. No, <laughs> just disappointing with what they have with this defense now. Right. Okay, we good. All right, do you want to do you want to stick with the football or are you are you footballed out yet? I am so footballed out right now. Good. So, I listened to the Bill Simmons and Katie Nolan podcast did because you, you talked about it so much. Did you rough it? No, I actually thought it was fucking awful. Really? Yeah, so I need you to explain to me why you thought it was such a great interview. And here are my issues with Katie Nolan. First off, she likes Nick Wright. So that's strike one. I did have a really hard time with that. So when you say that Nick Wright is one of your favorite people, you automatically, that's it, not a good look for you. Um, she and Bill were talking about how like Spygate never happened. That's strike two. Because it did. Can't deal with his fandom, man. Number three. She lied about Michelle Beadle making everyone around her better. Because clearly that wasn't the, ta- the case on Get Up. Because she was fucking awful on that show. And she's not that great of a host. She's really not. So I, I just, I, I listened to it and I actually came away with it not liking Katie Nolan as much as I used to. So the floor is yours. See, it renewed my love of Katie Nolan because I had started to not think about Katie Nolan and not care about her and not think she was all that talented because basically since the gar- garbage time ended, she has been MIA. ESPN is now utilizing her. When they do use her, she's in this little cookie cutter uh, ESPN thing, which you know I absolutely hate and and refuse to consume pretty much any of unless it's Rosillo because Rosillo just does whatever the hell he wants these days. Which is awesome. You need to start listening to Will Kane. I can't listen to Will Kane. Why? He makes a lot of good points. I cannot stand the way that he talks in the microphone. I can't listen to him. Like it, like it. I really don't like it. And I do think that he's intelligent and he makes good points, but listening to him talk hurts my soul. Are you talking about like his cadence? Yeah. Yeah, like he's great. He's he's a great like I if I could read a transcript of his show, I would read it and enjoy it. But listening to him talk is worse than Canel. To okay. address your points about the issue with <laughs> yeah, okay. with the Simmons and, and Katie Nolan podcast on on the Ringer. Um number 1 I think it's fair to note that they, if you listen all of the Simmons podcasts like I do, he makes, it's a running joke that like, oh yeah, Spygate didn't happen. But like has openly, when they actually legitimately talk about it with another guest who's like, yeah, but no for real. Like they do acknowledge like, yes, we were definitely breaking the rules. 
I'm not so sure it was exactly, you know, the things that they said that it was or maybe warranted, you know, or like the real problem that, it, that all the Patriots fans have is the deflate gate thing and that costing them a first round pick because it was just kind of ridiculous because it was just Commissioner Goodell flexing his muscles at Brady and Belichick. Um, but then you have to look at Bill and Katie, both are Boston fans, both have that sarcastic, like, I'm going to say something and you're going to think I'm serious, but if you really know me, you'll know I'm joking, um, sort of vibe about them and, and i'm pretty sure that that's what was happening there like it was a shtick i don't think that they both genuinely believe that spygate didn't happen like we know the details of that story they've been documented um you know it's not as big of a deal as everybody makes it out to be even me as an objective fan but something happened now in terms of her thing with beetle a and i don't want to make this a political thing or a social stance or anything like that but it's a it's a female sports icon was brought up on the show and she took that opportunity to support her fellow female sports icon which i feel like is a thing that happens a lot even though maybe it's not necessary anymore because i think we just respect people for being really good at what they do now i i, I don't know how much it matters that you're a female broadcaster or a female host or female announcer anymore. Um, and I think Rachel Nichols is a perfect example of that because I don't, I don't think anybody's going out there and like patronizing Rachel Nichols because she's a really good female host of a great basketball show. I think that people just appreciate what she brings to the table as a creative person. Um, so I th but I think that's what Katie was doing there. I don't know. Um, I mean, I like Beatle a lot depending on the thing get up is a terrible 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 show anyway it's gotten better since she left because now it's just greenberg driving the show right which is and what it should have been from the beginning why you would ever pair beetle and greeny i don't understand no the original plan was actually to bring back uh clarissa thompson and do thompson and greeny which actually would have worked really well that would have been awesome and then thompson I forgot what her deal was. I think it was because she resigned with Fox. Yeah, she did. So then they went to Beatle, and Beatle didn't want to do it, but then when they offered her like $5 million, she was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, what was the third thing you asked me about it? It was, it was Spygate. It was oh, it was Beatle. the Nick Wright thing. Like, I couldn't get Wright over the Nick I Wright thing. I cannot forgive or justify. Like, um, I, it threw me while I was listening to the podcast for such a loop that I had to go back and re-listen to what happened after that because i was just like nick, nick wright is the worst sports personality there has ever been hands down no question like he's legitimately an idiot yeah he and max kellerman for me are like they're like neck and neck as like the two most ignorant people on television but max at least can talk intelligently about fighting at okay fighting at, sure he but at least has like a subject of the sports world where he's a genius I'll give him that. You're right. When it comes to boxing, he is brilliant. Right. Yeah, Nick Wright's got nothing. Nick Wright is... I don't... How does that guy end up on the air? I don't even understand... Actually, I kind of blame Colin Cowherd for it because I think he's the one who like really got him the job. And I mean, maybe he's a great dude personally off the screen. I don't think so. Off he just seems like a dick. Yeah, he does. He seems like a douchebag, but... But just, you can't be professionally that incompetent and and still get on the air and not be like either somebody's nephew or a really cool <laughs> dude off the set. Um, 
so yeah, I, I can't understand that at all. But I loved the podcast. I it made me fall back in love with Katie Nolan and wish that she would just go and work for Simmons at the Ringer so that I could listen to her all the time. You can listen to her all the time. Nope, I can't. See, your ESPN bias is really bad. My ESPN bias is founded in the fact that they don't give their artists and their talent the freedom to say and do what they want. They are giving them guidelines and telling them what they can and can't do and telling them about the, the, the message that they're sending because they're afraid to be political now. I disagree. On certain shows, they don't. I don't think Will that's Will Kane's one of them. That's why I like Will Kane so much. And SVP is never been is never SVP is a whole different story though. But he is ESPN though, like he, you. Yes, but Van Pelt is the Ryan Rosillo, Mike Greenberg category of ESPN, where he could do pretty much anything he wanted, and as long as it wasn't like something blatantly like racist or sexist or homophobic or something, they probably wouldn't fire him. Okay, that's fair. If you're like if you're if you're excluding that, if you're talking about like the basic, yeah, there are stuff. some untouchables at ESPN. Okay, like, there are some people that are too big, um, and and cannot necessarily be reined in, and even then, sometimes they're reined in just because Disney as a company as a whole right. has changed so much of the way that ESPN's been run. Actually, most of my a lot of my favorite um, Simmons podcasts are the ones where he brings on people um, either from ESPN or formerly from ESPN in like the executive side and talks about the state of ESPN and sports media in general and stuff like that. Like that stuff is really interesting to me. Um, and I think that the reason that I hate ESPN so much is because they do, they censor their talent. They don't allow, you hear so many stories come out of there about like really cool project ideas and things like that. And then they're just like, no, this is what we're doing. This is what we're focused on, you know? And they're the worldwide leader in sports, but like I can pull up the, the fucking Yahoo sports app on my phone and watch three NFL games streaming in five seconds for free. Like, what are you doing, ESPN? You're behind on literally everything except for having good box scores and paying enough money to get a lot of the stuff that you want to air. So that's my ESPN shtick for the day. Um, so how does signing Elton Brand, former Sixer great and, uh, you know, former Bulls great, as the general manager, change the outlook for the Philadelphia 76ers going forward? I don't think it does. Does it matter at all? Nope. So Elton Brand is the Lottie Divock figurehead? Yeah, essentially. Okay. That's my opinion. I just don't, I don't look at it as like this monumental signing. I had, like, I've been, you know, I follow the NBA hardcore year round. I have not read or heard anything at all about this fascinating Philadelphia 76ers front office thing where you know they had the they fired Hinky, they bring in Colangelo, Colangelo's wife has a bunch of secret Twitter accounts, leaks a bunch of information and all this other stuff about the team and players and then he ends up stepping down and then they run through the whole draft and offseason and free agency with no general manager and Brett Brown is basically making the calls. And then there were people, there were names, like even as far as Daryl Morey, they called the Rockets to see if Daryl Morey was interested in coming to be their GM. And then they were looking at one of their assistants and they're, and they're looking at some other people. And then never once was Elton Brand's name mentioned in any GM search for the Philadelphia 76ers that I've seen. 
in the four months that it's been going on. So it, I don't know whether or not it's going to matter and whether or not Elton Brand is at all qualified to be a general manager because like, what's Elton Brand been doing for the last eight years since he was out of the league? Right. You know? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really get it either. So, but again, I, truthfully, I just, I think, I think Philly just needs some good PR. Yeah. And I think that that's what that was for them was a good PR move. I just, it's very confusing to me. You got any other questions? Um, not really. I mean, did you have another one for me? I did actually. Um, I wanted to ask you. My other question was football related, but I'm just tired of talking football. So no, you can fire a football question at me. Nah, I already deleted it, so it's fine. Oh God damn it, Christopher! (laughs) Damn it! What's up? So, oh, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Um, Turkey Day football this year. Oh, so we're we're talking about Turkey Day football? Don't know. For the last... It's been almost 10 years. Almost 10 years, huh? Oh, yeah, like eight? I think we're at eight. Seven or eight? I think this is the eighth annual Turkey Day football game. We're going to look... We're going to do a little history research for the next podcast, and... I think eight safe. We are going to confirm the number, but I'm pretty sure this is the eighth annual Turkey Day football game. And uh, my team lost last year. Chris and I split up teams... um, as captains and I lost last year for the first time in four years and it hurt three years well yeah we won three in a row and then we lost last year so out of the four years we lost gotcha um team white me is coming back this year what are your plans to avoid getting blown out on turkey day that is my question to you alright so who's on your team again it is me Landon. All right, well, he's fat and slow, so keep going. I was hoping you would think that about him. <laughs> think that about yeah. him? Has he been working out, or has Whoa. he just been drinking? We're getting ready. Yeah, I'm sure. We're getting ready for Turkey Day football. I'm sure. You're lucky I popped my ankle. Dude, I think you forget. Like, I have Paul Valley on my team, so I automatically have the league MVP. <laughs> the Iron Man himself. <laughs> the Iron Man himself. Fucking yeah, Brett Favre out there. Listen, if I have to cover him my goddamn self this year, I will. <laughs> Richard's just happy that he's on his team so he doesn't run him over like he did a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's me, Landon, Adams, and if everybody shows up... You uh, get Josh. Then I'll also have Fitterich. Fitty, yep. And Josh. And then it's you, your dad, who somehow at... 64. 64. I didn't want to say his age. <laughs> it's 64. It's fine. I'm not sure if he listens to the podcast and I didn't want to offend him because <laughs> he might truck me on... on, on Thanksgiving, uh, somehow still goes out there and manages to play like Julian Edelman and, and catch like 15 balls for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Richard, who is maybe, he's, he is the Browns of Turkey Day football. <laughs> he played really well last year, though. Just don't let him throw the ball. You're fine. And I have Dan. You have Dan, who was He's sneaky good. Dan was my MVP a few years ago when when I made the shirts, the team white meat and team dark meat shirts. Dan is sneaky good. Um, and then Matt Horton, yep, who tends to get forgotten about, and then all of a sudden will get like a sixty yard gain. Well, he's huge. No reason at all. He's um, throwing a six three dude. It's like throwing a you know Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski out there. 
So we're bringing it this year, and uh, and I just wanted to call you out on the podcast and let you know that we're we're planning on landing SmackDown. That's fine. I've I mean, got Landon's eating six meals a day. I'm sure he is. He Pack, needs to get big. Packing on muscle. So like, here's the thing, though. I mean, you've got you've got a fat old man in Landon, and I can say that about him because Landon doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can talk as much yeah, shit about Landon as I want. Um, you have Adams who will who's only good for about three plays, and then he's on the sidelines. Yeah, he's got to be subbed up. out every three minutes. So he's a possession. He's only, he's a third down receiver. The only thing that sucks for me is I don't have my brother this year. Not having Matthew is going to suck for a lot of reasons. Matthew is also one of the only ones who will talk a bunch of shit, which I love. But yeah, my brother talks shit to everybody. He doesn't care. A, but B, he's also like, he he was my Chris Adams. I could throw the ball anywhere and he would catch it. Didn't matter. Yeah, somehow, despite the fact that he takes three plays off every four downs, Chris Adams manages to amass like 300 receiving yards in this game because he just goes Randy Moss on everybody. Chris Adams is Randy Moss. That dude catches balls off like with one finger near like a centimeter away from the ground and then somehow jukes five people Mm -hmm. and then he throws up in the end zone, but he still makes it there every time. Um, so yeah, my, not having my brother is going to suck. That's, that's really the, the one aspect to my team that, you know, that'll hurt a little bit. Well, you added Dan. Well, I had Dan last year too. Did you have Dan last year? I had Dan last year. Was last year the Charlene's incident? Or was yep. it two years ago? Nah, I don't remember anymore. God, it's all blurring together. Anyway. So yeah, no, you can talk smack all you want. It's fine. Oh, I'm going mean, to talk some shit. Because, you know, I'm going to go back there for a second. Landon might be fat. And Landon might be old. But, but he's not fast. But he's also the only black guy in the game. And he's on my team, so I feel like right there. Advantage me. <laughs> I can't even say it. So he's hurt. I can't even finish the bit. <laughs> I can't finish the bit with a serious face. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not really a, a racist asshole. Um No, but Landon and I have been talking about this and he is he's ready for the workload this year. Cause last year when I was very frustrated with how the game ended in overtime with no clear overtime rules on what was very clearly either an offsides, a false start, or time it expired. But we all needed to get the Thanksgiving dinner. Landon spent the entire offseason being like, you should have fed me the ball more. Yeah, but he said he used to say that to me all the time, too. It doesn't necessarily make it. He, he sounds like freaking T.O. I did God, t- give me the ball, man. I did tell him he needs to actually run routes if he wants to get the ball more. But point taken, I'm feeding the big fella this year. So he's going to get his turkey dinner one way or another. Um, I, I think the the real problem for you is going to be Fitterich. Because I've played with Fitterich once before on my team. And he's like strangely athletic for he's a big guy he is no but i mean like i you if you looked at him you would think he was like chris adams right like chris adams tall long no fitty is extremely athletic fitty's gonna get behind the behind the safeties and uh and catch some bombs it's gonna be great we got a couple of trick plays we're working on this year i just want you to be mentally prepared i'm i'm bringing it to you right now so that you know we're coming for blood this year. Team White Meat is going to dominate Turkey Day. Look, man, that's fine. I love how your team White Meat and you got the only black guy. But anyway, <laughs> he was just so throw that out there. <laughs> but uh, I mean, look, so that just means that when we win, it's going to be that much sweeter. No, I, mean, I think your dad's going to retire after how bad I'm going to spank you guys on Turkey Day this year. My dad should retire anyway. <laughs> we before he like, snaps his ankle out there. For like six years now. 
Ugh, God. You can't get that guy to quit. No, no, I can't. I gotta t- I'll tell you this anyway, because even if he does listen to the pod. So we were talking the other day about, you know, people getting old and stuff like that. My dad's knee shot. Yeah. Like, his knee is completely shot. So we were talking. I was like, Dad, so, you know, like, because he, he was getting cartilage shots in his knees. And I was like, you know, so how's that going? He goes, oh, it completely failed. Completely failed. Doesn't work. I'm like, oh, so what's the next step? He goes, well, I have to get surgery. All right. So when are you going to get surgery? Yeah, in a few years. What do you mean in a few years? Well, you know, I, I can still walk on it. I'm like, but you're limping. He's like, do you know what that surgery entails? Like, do you understand what it entails? I said, no. He goes, it's like fucking Star Wars, man. He's like, they take apart your knee. They put a metal knee kneecap in and they screw it all together. And there you go. And I said, oh, man. So what's the recovery time on that? He's like 72 hours. I'm like 72 hours. What? That's it? How's that possible? And he said, yeah. He goes, yeah. He said, he said you're, not, you're not on bed rest for a long period of time. I'm like, then why don't you do it? He's like, because it freaks me the hell out. What? So they could <laughs> fix the problem with a minimally invasive surgery that you recovered from in 72 hours, and he's just going to keep living in pain. He's going to keep, well, yeah, because he doesn't like surgeries, A, eh? and he hates hospitals. But it got better. So I said, well, shouldn't you do the surgery, you know, because you're in good shape, your heart works well. And he goes, my heart. He's like, I'm, like, I'm going to live till like I'm 100. And I said, I don't doubt you, but explain to me your thought process behind this. He said, well, I look at it this way. When I got electrocuted at 32, my heart restarted. So technically, I was reborn at 32. So I've got at least till I'm 100 until I croak. (laughs) All the more incentive to keep your body working. Right, exactly. But anyway, so that's that's my father's mentality of of how he's going to live till he's 100. I love it. I love it. That's hilarious. So that's why he'll he'll always play, I think, football with us until he can't move. Yeah. I. It keeps him young. There's for sure an increased chance every year that we're going to spend some part of Thanksgiving in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about 90%. The more one of us. It doesn't even have to be your dad because I have to my, my knee really bad one year. You remember that? Yeah, it was like two years ago. Yeah. Three years ago? Three years ago. Yeah, everybody gets injured. One every year, somebody gets hurt. Yeah. Well, I mean, we it's all something major. It's <laughs> just like a matter of how how serious the injury is. So I was just going over the teams again in my head. Do I have Josh, or do you have Josh? I have Josh. We split Josh and Matt. We split um, your dad and no, Landon Adams. Sorry, guys. We're we're counting on on. This is really on the air. this is really important stuff here, guys. You can stop listening now if you want. Landon Adams, and then uh, Fitterich. Yeah. Myself. And Josh, we give you five. And Josh, and then it's you, your dad, Dan, Dan, Matt Horton, and Richard. Ah, Richard. There we go. That was my fifth one. Yeah. Okay. Totally forgot about. It. Sorry, Richard. Because <laughs> you're the only one that's probably listening to this. Yeah, now you're exactly. mad. Yeah, you're gonna listen. We forgot about. It. I didn't forget about you. I just know. I just know you're not gonna be any good, just like the Eagles. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the huddle. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, which is actually really cool because Richard does lots of fun stuff with that. I think, or is that you that does that? It's both of us. Okay, it's a combination of you guys. I don't have access to that. Uh, look for a Lavalley Sports Take Pod this week and another Maddie's Toilet Takes. 
and we will talk to you in two weeks.